Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. Must be another episode of Unfiltered. Coming your way here and now, this officially episode 90. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern on Twitter. If you're not there already, jump in to the Twitter bio and you could subscribe and view the YouTube channel where you've got all the interviews, all the episodes. You can watch them on demand. You also could jump in live there or in Twitter in the live stream right now. Click on it. Get in the live chat. You can post your comments. I'm going to post the first one so you can see right there. All you got to do is reply or respond. You also can get on board and tweet at me along the way here live during this broadcast or in the show anytime we do these shows live, and I will hit you up on your responses as we go interact along with the show. Thank you, Unfiltered Band. Again, good to be here with you. This is everything and anything that if you're a baseball fan, you you wait for, you hope for. We always talk about meaningful September games. I don't care. I think it's a week from today that the postseason starts. The postseason for a Mets fan or a Braves fan, if you're a diehard in Major League Baseball, it starts tonight. Right here where I am in Atlanta, Truist Park, where the Mets and Braves will get together. And this rivalry is officially back. This is the biggest series these two teams have played since 1999 when I lost the te- television thanks to Kenny Rogers walking Andrew Jones. This is a rivalry that was for a long time among the best in baseball, and it has returned, and which I'll get to in this pod, in this episode. I do not think that this will be the last time these two teams will play each other in this series this season. You can get in on whatever you want along the way, and I want to first, before we get underway and officially get in and kind of preview this series a little bit, let you know that we are presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Football's back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. Find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends as your continued source for all sports wagering info. Bet Online's got live betting, free contests, live scores, giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Your events like Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head over to betonline.ag. It's betonline.ag. Join and receive your 100% welcome bonus right now. It's 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. All you got to do, use this promo code. It's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. As we have started, get underway, and let's start right here. I, the best way to kind of encapsulate the feeling for a Met fan last night when you got this information about Francisco Alvarez being called up, was if you've been to and you went to sleepaway camp as a kid, it was the breaking of color war last night when you weren't expecting it. If you were a fan of the WWF turned the WWE, it was the Royal Rumble and number 30 was Francisco Alvarez. And you had no idea. It was never leaked online. You didn't know that he was coming. We all thought maybe this would be a possibility at some point this year, but this was not under discussion really from anybody within you know the circles of this team over the last few days. While everybody sat and thought about Darren Ruff and why he shouldn't be getting at-bats, they were then thinking about why they should go to the kid in Vientos, not the kid, the number one prospect in all Major League Baseball, by the way, not just for the Mets, in Francisco Alvarez. And by the way, before people get to me about you know, me actually pumping up a prospect, prospects are cool, parades are cooler, doesn't mean you trade every prospect in the system. If that's what you think, that means you're a moron. That's not what that means. The idea is that teams, when they have a chance to push and go forward, 
cannot hold on and hoard everybody if they have a chance to win now. It doesn't mean you trade every prospect in baseball, and it doesn't mean I ever thought they should have traded Alvarez because I didn't. But I also didn't expect to see him now. And the energy lift that this gives the Mets for a guy who had a little bit of a rough start this September and has been way better since in AAA, this is, this is a dude with immense power. He'll be in the lineup tonight, I would expect. I don't think it's been released yet, but I think that's a given against Max Fried, against the lefty. And if he hits well against lefties and righties and venditties, he's going to be in the lineup, no offense to Vogel Snacks, every day. So this is, this is a thing. And by the way, this has been the Braves thing all year. I mean, Michael Harris, he's been brilliant all season. Vaughn Grissom, obviously Strider hurt right now, but we know how great he's been. This has been a Braves team that's gotten younger. It's been a Braves team that's really been centralized and pushed forward in terms of energy and performance by kids and by rookies. And even though you know Brett Beatty hit the home run the first day B, things after that a little bit sluggish. Doesn't mean he can't have a great career, but then he gets hurt and he's gone. Vientos, to me, uh, looks a little bit overmatched at the plate. Not sure that necessarily is going to be a guy that I'm trusting on the playoff roster. I don't expect him to be there, quite honestly. And now, certainly with Alvarez in the fold, probably not. Darren Ruff was a better eighth-inning guy since he came over than a hitter. That was not something that was expected. This is a very good clubhouse guy, well-liked and respected around the league. Great numbers against left-handers. It just hasn't happened. And I don't blame Buck Showalter for continuing to try and put him in the lineup because you're trying to you're trying to, to have that tide turn. And when guys like that don't get a lot of at-bats, it's difficult to do that. So when they had situations like a week ago where they're facing three lefties in a row in a series, you got to try and give them those starts. No, you don't want to see him in the outfield. No, not necessarily want to put him at first base either. And you certainly you don't want to see him in the lineup at all the way he has hit, which is about zero. Again, he was, his best performance as a New York Met may go down in, in his Darren Ruff lore as him being an eighth inning guy, not as a hitter. But for Francisco Alvarez to get called up now, this is number 30 in the Royal Rumble. This is breaking a color war. This is like, I mean, are you, are you kidding me? It's like, you know, you knew you were getting paid. You didn't expect a bonus check. Is it Christmas? If you're a Met fan, you are amped up, adds energy at the right time. He will be on the playoff roster if, of course, you know, health permitting and everything else. So that's not an issue for people who didn't understand that when this first came in, because again, the Mets have enough injuries where you can get away with being able to use one of them and attribute it to him being on the roster. So it's not going to be a big deal. Curious as we go live, and I see some of your comments, and I'll get them in here. Whether you're in the live chat on the stream, on YouTube, or on Twitter, and of course, welcome to everybody where most of you are listening in Apple and Spotify after this is already out. You can just play along. But for the folks who are jumping in, I threw out a couple of questions to you. Who takes this series, Mets, Braves, and what player will be the difference maker in this series? I see some responses on the Mets side and the Braves side. I'll get to them here during the course of this show. Alvarez, huge deal. Does that mean that the Mets are guaranteed to win this series? No. Does it mean they're guaranteed to win the World Series? No. Is Are you absolutely freaking the hell out? If you're a Mets fan, you're freaking the hell out. You'd be freaking the hell out anyway. After years of being embarrassed by this team and having to sit there and hide while everybody you know is a Yankee fan and they're enjoying life and you're miserable, you get a chance to enjoy it right now and enjoy it. I don't want to hear any crap about, you know, and look, everything's magnified. Every move that Buck makes is going to be magnified, whether it works or not. Try and try, and I say try because I know it's difficult. Met fans, I want you to try and be rational heading into this series. It's going to be easier for a Braves fan to do. They just won the World Series a year ago. It's going to be a lot easier because of all the success they had against the Mets over all those years that those of us are old enough to remember when we sat there and lived through it during the chipper days in the 90s. 
But if you're sitting there and you're a Met fan right now, I want you to try, especially if you're younger, you didn't experience any winning at any point in your life, and lucky enough to be old enough to see some of that. You got to try and be rational. You got to try and remember you're sitting there with a 98 win team. You're trying to remember that you're going to win over 100 games. You got to try and remember that you're going to playoffs either way, no matter what happens. Doesn't mean don't get pissed off about every pitch. It doesn't mean don't get into it. I'm going to be into it. I'll have no voice by the time I come around to podcast episode number 91 on Monday. That is a fact. There's no, ch- there's no chance. I would have, I'm going to have to type it, let alone speak it. So I get it. I'm, I'm living it with you, right? But you got to try and be rational. You have to attempt to because you got to remember that this is a different team. And the reminder going back to the month of Escobar game that we had just a couple of days ago, and I think Braves fans understand this as much as they've trolled you about trumpets. This is not the old Mets because Buck Showalter and Max Scherzer have, and it's not just them. I know Canna, obviously, Marte, who's not there right now, and that's a big issue. Yeah, obviously, Escobar, we know what he's been in the room and now on the field here in September, hitting over 330. The only guy with more ribbies in the National League is Pete Alonzo. But I think when you look at what you have with this Mets team, you know the culture is not what they're not going to. There's no Met. It's too late to Met. They won 98 games. If they get swept in the series, it's not a collapse. Honestly, punt yourself. They didn't punt this season. Just seriously. Just you find a, a tennis ball machine, have a friend tie you to a tree, turn it on and leave you there. With your jorts on and your, your socks and sandals and your, and your wave and your pineapple on pizza. And whatever else I can't think of off the top of my head, because basically I'm saying you're an idiot. No matter what happens, because when people need to understand and Met fans need to understand is that this is not just the championship team of last year, the Atlanta Braves. This is especially if Spencer Strider is healthy, right? Or when he was healthy. And if he is again, they're a better team than they were when they won the championship. They're a younger team than they were when they won the championship. They're a deeper team than they were when they won the championship. And I'm going to say this to you right now, and I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I want to get into the, the, this, and I want to get into pitching matchups and whatnot. But I want, to, I want to go here right now just to get it out there. And I said this yesterday. <clears throat> I did a spot when it, when it was on the Rome show yesterday. I was saying this, and people get Dodger fans got mad at me. And, and that's fine. That's okay. But I'm going to say this again now for everybody to understand, all right? The Mets and the Braves are going to play each other again in the LCS. This will not be the last time they play each other this season. These are the two best set-up postseason teams in the National League. The Dodgers have had an unbelievable year. Their run differential is like a million. It's really like 340, but it might as well be a million. It's ridiculous. With all the injuries that they've had and the depth issues that the Dodgers have been able to have to you know, deal with, and all their bullpen issues and everything else that's gone on, the fact that they've been that dominant in that way, I don't care what the hell division they play in, I really don't. It's amazing. I'm not basing this off of the Mets won two out of three and played some trumpets in a series a few weeks ago. I'm not. Not. Nor the fact that the Braves have proved, even though they did blow a 3-1 lead a couple of years ago, that they can match up with the Dodgers at the Dodgers' height in the playoffs. Not playing with that either. I'm, I'm making this about the fact that when you get to the postseason, no matter how you get to the postseason, it is more often than not almost Always, almost always about depth of pitching and high-end pitching. That is why Max, who did it with a tag team guy that we haven't seen in seemingly a decade, and Steven Strasburg back in 2019 did what he did. 
That's why when Verlander went to the Astros, regardless of all their trash cans in 2017, if Jeff Luno don't get him in the 11th hour and 59th minute, they're going home in the first round instead of winning the World Series. Front-end pitching and being able to pitch at a high level and getting those kind of outings, being able to have depth guys who can come through with performances out of the bullpen, starters who can go into the bullpen, all those sorts of things, they're unbelievably important because at the end of the day, people in October doing this now with the sport almost 20 years, great pitching beats great hitting in October, and that's just the way it is. When pitchers are on, it can get swings and misses, especially in this sport the way it is now in October. That's the difference maker. And these teams can do that right now better than the Dodgers can. And even though I don't trust Kenley Jansen or think a Braves fan does right, and I love Kenley, but you just can't, right? And I don't want to hear about what he was with the Dodgers because, again, how many times was he in there in the eighth inning and shouldn't have been or blew it in the ninth after a good eighth? I mean, they didn't have anybody except him and Kershaw. Dom Mattingly, and God bless whatever he does next, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. They're now not going to be with the Marlins. He might still be with the Dodgers if they had anybody in that bridge whatsoever, which is about zero, between Clayton Kershaw against the Cardinals in those series and Kenley Jansen. That's why it was always Kershaw in too long and Kenley in too early. So Kenley probably got crapped on more than he should have, but right now I don't know how much you could trust him if you're a Braves fan. That being said, if you're a Braves fan watching or listening to this, whether it's live on Twitter or on YouTube or on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you get your podcast. You know that last year you might have been saying the same things right now, and then Will Smith became that version you needed at just the right time, however the heck that happened. It's all that matters is at the right time. Does anybody trust that Craig Kimbrell, speaking of Braves fans, they want to tell a Dodger fan whether or not they you trust him? Dodgers don't trust him. I don't know what inning, what place he even has there at all. You know, there are many teams with closer by committee and with the amount of injuries that the Dodgers have that have success in a postseason. And I think the Dodgers are susceptible, especially because not only will they get a layoff, remember the Dodgers are going to sit there with the extra series, get a layoff and have extra days. And everybody's like, oh, that's great. You get rest. It's great. You can, and it is when you get injuries, those parts are great for a Met fan. And I I've been saying this, one of the reasons you want to win the division is give Marte an extra few days. You want to give the guys that are hurt, that extra time and that ability to get back in there and be viable for you for sure. And the Dodgers got plenty of those and I get it <clears throat> from the maze across the board. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. But at the end of the day, when you sit there and you look at the layoff layoffs, kill teams in the postseason. And the last meaningful game, the Dodgers played honestly was probably that series against the Mets. What four or five weeks ago. And that wasn't even that big a deal for them. That was about the Mets, whether it was on national TV or there are trumpets or not. They're going to go that long without playing a meaningful game, then have an extra layoff. To me, have plenty of depth questions because of all the injuries. And even though those bats are going to be so difficult to go through in a lineup, the kind of pitchers they're going to face are going to be able to at least have a chance to do it with not an extensive amount of damage. And I think the Dodgers are in danger of going out in five games. If I'm wrong, no problem. I'd be happy to admit it to you. But I think the Braves or the Mets, whoever loses this series, this wild card, you know, you contender that's going to be upset because they lose this division, <clears throat> whether it's during this series or in the last three games of the season, I think that team's going to end up facing the other one anyway, and I think they'll match up in the LCS. I think it's going to happen again. Because, to me, these are the two best prime teams in the postseason for the National League. And that's something I wanted to key in on here because I'm seeing a lot of Mets embrace that, look, <clears throat> I understand you guys want to sit there and shit on each other. I understand that it's fun to troll each other and you could get it, you know, troll each other about trumpets or whatever else, and Mets fans... 
You got to hear what you deal with brain fans and some of these ridiculous Twitter accounts that are sitting there you're saying Jacob deGrom is garbage. Like, honestly, like you're an idiot if that's what you're tweeting. At least tweet something that's meaningful. Honestly, it's that's ridiculous, right? But you want to sit there and look at these two teams and be honest. You're looking at similar images, if not mirror images, of fan bases right now who know that their teams are great and rosters that certainly have a chance to go to and win a World Series. There's no loser here in terms of like when you you want to sit there and get on the other team. I totally get it. Give them all the shit you can. I get it in terms of trash talk. But I don't want to hear about the other team's garbage. I don't want to hear about the other team sucks or the Mets met or the Braves collapsed or this. There's no collapse. There's no loser here. You got two 98-win teams, 98-97, excuse me, sitting there in a three-game series at the end of the season, mano a mano. The Mets took care of business in their house. The Braves took care of business in their house, which is, by the way, good news for the Braves, who are going to be playing here in Atlanta. Mets sit there with the tiebreaker going in. They get that to play with, obviously, if they end up in a tie. There is a lot working here, but neither team is going to lose in terms of they're, it's going to get taken from you. Someone's going to win the series. No one's giving it up. It's, it's, it's not that story with the Mets, and this is not that story with these two teams. That's what makes this so awesome is how great these two teams are. Think about how many times during the year. I know that the Mets obviously had their own issues earlier this month, and that's their own fault. And the Mets are lucky that when they got swept by the Cubs, the Braves lost two out of three against the Giants in that same scenario. Otherwise, this division would look a little bit different, would it not, right now, heading into this three-game set. But how many times did these two teams play each other? They'd bang each other's heads, and then all of a sudden they go away. They'd annihilate Philadelphia, who, by the way, is a complete disaster and a mess. They'd annihilate, and, and when I got Craig Council of the Brewers on the tail, I don't, know, I don't know what the betting odds are, but you might as well take the Brewers right now in these final few games to find their way in. I mean, this is a disgrace in Philly. But both these teams have beat the hell out of Philadelphia for most of the year, beat up on other teams, sans what the Mets have done, and I'm not taking away or making it like it's not a big deal. It is. What happened to them in the Nats series, in that Marlins series, in the Cubs series, because it is a big deal. Not getting on DeGrom for looking human once in Oakland, please. But... Both of these teams, for the most part, these fan bases know it. You beat up on each other. You yell at each other all weekend, and then you'd go ahead, and it's like one wins 8-2, to two, the others win 7-1. I mean, the best teams in baseball right now, this is no secret, people. It's the Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves, and the Astros, and whatever order you want those four teams, and that's all there is to it. And is that guarantee in baseball they're going to play in the World Series? No. But baseball, more often than it is this year, is a crapshoot. More so of the time, almost, if not all of it, it's a crapshoot. And I think there's a wrinkle now with this extra playoff series, but this is no, this is no crapshoot this year. You don't get the Astros in five. They're going to the World Series. None of those AL teams are going to beat them in seven games. Sorry. Again, if I'm wrong, it's fine, but I won't be with that. They lose, it'll be in five. The Dodgers would be tough to beat in seven, but I think either of these two teams would have a good shot to do it. I think the Braves and the Mets are the, are the most set up in terms of their postseason readiness. I'm curious your take on that if you're a Mets or a Braves fan. Want to get into these pitching matchups. Doesn't get any better than obviously sitting there and getting ready for DeGrom against Freed. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And I, I love, I know, you know, Mets fans get angry when they say, like, I love a Braves player. It doesn't mean, you know, that I, I, I'm not a Met fan. It means I'm not an idiot. And I cover baseball and love baseball. And I'm not trying to sit there and be, you know, I, I try purposely to be unbiased. But if you don't understand that Austin Riley is a terrific player, then you're an idiot. Love watching Max Fried pitch. Love watching that dude pitch. And Kyle Wright's been a great story. You know, wins are not everything. We understand that. But he's earned 
earned those 20 wins. And Charlie Morton has been a big game pitcher for I don't even know how long. Now, I wish Strider was healthy, but Charlie Morton, nothing to sneeze at. In a game seven kind of a feel, how many times has this guy come through over the last few years? Go back to speaking to Houston. Obviously, he's been great the last couple of years with Atlanta as well. I mean, this guy's this guy just gets it done when it matters. Chris Bassett probably as underrated really as any maneuver that any team in the National League or really all of baseball made in the offseason that doesn't get nearly enough credit. He's been brilliant. And obviously, you know, Jake and Max speak for themselves. The, the way I equate Jacob DeGrom going into this start, I've been saying go back to Little Giants, and I always love that flick, where Ed O'Neill, uh, Al Bundy is sitting there, and they said, you know, who's that girl? And he says, it's not a girl. That's my niece, Becky, and she's pissed. Basically, DeGrom icebox coming off that start. Now, does that mean that he's going to shut the Braves out? No, probably not. I mean, look, Dansby Swanson, who to me is the most dangerous Brave that I, and I watch plenty of Braves baseball, I live down here. The most dangerous Brave in clutch spots, and the comp I made the other day, and I, I, I'm not comparing them as players in terms of, you know, one hits left-handed, one hits right-handed, or any of that kind of, Dansby Swanson reminds me of Chase Utley in the matter of, if you're a Met fan from that perspective, every single time it seemed like there needed to be a big hit from that team when the Mets and the Phillies were in that thing for years, it always seemed like, why is it always Chase Utley's turn at bat? And they had years where Ryan Howard was better. They had years where other guys were more. It didn't matter. It was always Chase Utley seemingly, especially the year of the collapse, right? And it was always Chase Utley getting those big hits. That's how Dansby Swanson's been, and he's gotten huge hits. Look, he's hit, he's hit Jake hard. Got him for a home run, I remember vividly, a double. I, I, I remember in, maybe the last time they played each other earlier this year that he ripped into the gap, but it's like, oh, oh here we go again? This dude gets – I love watching this kid play. Dansby Swanson's a winning player, and he gets big hits, and that's, to me, the scariest guy in their lineup in those kind of spots. And I'm not taking it all away from Riley, or we know how great Acuna can be when he's healthy. I understand what Harris has done. I mean, Grossman kind of been a Met killer already in these series – and he's been good, and we thought his splits would be an issue. They have not. So I get all that. The nine spot in the Braves lineup has gotten, what, more ribbies, I think, and driven in more runs than, than like 90% of the National League teams have gotten in their three and four spots in the lineup. I get all the depth. I get all that. But Dansby Swanson, that's that dude. That's that guy in those spots. That's why they have to pay him in the offseason. Have to. Maybe not to the level of Aaron Judge. The Yankees have to, but they have to. Daniel gets in, said, Braves take uh, two out of three. Only of Austin Riley, and you could jump in on Twitter if you're in the live stream, not here in, uh, you know, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. It says, uh, Braves will win two out of three if Austin Riley can get going. Low-scoring game is going to be fun to watch. Look, I, I think Austin Riley is a key for sure, but one of the great things about the Braves is that they have been a different guy, a different hero when their offense is going well. And look, Eddie Rosario has been, again, it's seemingly at the right time of the year, starting to kind of pick things up and wake up. And he's a guy who can get you some big hits and certainly hit it over the fence as well. As far as the, the low scoring is concerned, it's hard to buy into how it's not going to be. You know, I understand you go back to the first of these two sets that these two teams played. And I don't remember the dates. It was at some point back in August when Taiwan Walker was down, what, 6 nothing or whatever it was early, and I think the Mets went down eight runs maybe. Acuna saves a, a home run and an unbelievable catch that would have been a two-run shot in the first inning from Alonzo. Mets come all the way back. That homer ends up really that, that was not a homer, being the difference in those teams perhaps you know being locked up at eight down the stretch of that game versus the Braves winning that game. But outside of that one, uh, they've been close. Most of them, they're going to they're be – I mean, it is hard to believe – 
that Jacob DeGrom, it's one of the reasons why it was so crazy watching, forget it, just uh, Oakland, but anybody hit him. It, it's hard to believe that he or Freed are getting knocked around. And, you know, Max, obviously, you know, if you get him early, you can get him sometimes if he's missing in the middle and give up an early homer. But Kyle Wright, who the Mets have hit a bit, but I, the way he's pitched in big spots this year, I think you gotta you gotta figure he's gonna pitch well, especially at home. And I, and I'm a Charlie Morton guy. I expect him to pitch well. And Bassett has been. I think even Braves fans will tell you watching. It, it's like nobody pays attention. It's like I don't think people realize how good Bassett is. And by the way, the irony of for people who don't watch the Mets and who are Braves fans watching this, if you're a Met, if you're a Braves fan. Maybe you don't realize that of the three guys that the Mets are throwing out there, the guy most likely to go deep into a game is Bassett. I mean, that's the dude that's been showing that more for the Mets this year, keeping the pitch counts low, finding a way to be efficient than the other two guys are. And that's important in this series because one of the keys I wanted to bring up, and I'll get to more of your tweets and, and stuff in the chat here in a second, <clears throat> but one of the things I wanted to bring up, the difference in the ninth inning is huge. How Buck Showalter manages this series with Edwin Diaz is going to be fascinating. All right. Moving to Grom to the front of the series does a number of things. Number one, if the Mets need to win that last game of the season, now DeGrom would be set up for that. If that's something that happens in a clinch scenario, obviously they could still back him up and, and await that out if they don't need it. The other part is the Mets have a tiebreaker here right now. So having a two game lead, right, is is more than just having a two game lead. If you're talking about a tiebreak situation where these guys end up even in the Mets and the Braves at the end of the year. And because of that, I'm very curious, and I said this the other night when I was doing the, uh, and shout out to the guys that believe in Queens, and if you missed out, if you're a Met fan, we had a great conversation you can follow through on my Twitter, but and look in the timeline and find it. It was about an hour the other night right after the uh, the Escobar month of Escobar game. But I, I look at the situation with Edwin Diaz, and, and I said this the other day, if you get a chance to push the pedal tonight in your buck and DeGrom, you know, has not shown the ability to go seven innings. He has not. I mean, you got to, he has not been as pitch efficient. Forget about just the pitch counts. He has not shown the ability to do that. I think you're probably looking at six, but if you can get six DeGrom out of Vino seven, Diaz eight, nine, you get a chance to win that game. You drop that hammer. Edwin Diaz, everybody's hittable. Everybody's beatable. All right. We understand that. We get that in the game. I'm not trying to sit there because I don't want to hear like some old takes exposed. If Diaz gives up a home run, I'm not saying it's impossible that somebody can hit him, but I will tell you this. If Edwin Diaz throws the way he's been throwing lately, it's literally impossible. He has made people go back in the video. If you're a Braves fan, you should not don't watch the video of what he's looked like in the past couple of weeks where a lot of these haven't even been saved situations, but it's, it's dumb. And we're talking about like nine, 10 pitches and, and going through guys like, like making them look stupid. Like not even like they're big leaguers. And I don't care what team they're playing. If Edwin Diaz has his stuff, you got to get out there to me. If you're the Mets, you got to try and drop the hammer, take that two game lead. Cause if you take a two game lead, you walk out of this series at worst tied and that tie doesn't go to the runner. It goes to you. Then you set up going into the last three games where you're ahead. Cause you get the tiebreaker for this division. And yeah, does that mean if Diaz goes two innings that, you know, you have you have a maybe spot after Max tomorrow or you know, maybe if he goes an inning tomorrow, if they get a chance to win, that he's actually going to be unavailable in the third game of this series. And why would you leave Diaz unavailable? I leave him unavailable. I don't care if he can't go in the third game. I'm giving him two innings tonight if I can win it. That two-game lead because of that tiebreaker especially and with Scherzer looming is enormous. And Max is the kind of guy that if he knows that Diaz can give you, a, you know, an, an inning maybe, right, in that kind of a scenario, if they were get a win tonight, you could ride him tomorrow. He'll find a way. Keep you in it. They have no choice. You ha If you can drop the hammer, you get six outs out of Diaz tonight. 
Nobody else should pitch in this game tonight other than DeGrom, Adoviano, and Edwin Diaz. That's it. Nobody. Now, that's going to be a lot on Jake, but assuming he can get you through six, nobody else should pitch. Because you get a two-game lead with that tiebreaker. With two games to go in this series, you do it. You do it. You know that Diaz probably give you one tomorrow, not even an, an option maybe in that third game. That's okay. I'm not saying necessarily punt it in the third game. You don't want to be in that situation. Obviously, you hope that you, you can hit Morton then well. Maybe tomorrow in game two, you hit Kyle Wright. You don't even have a save situation. Diaz gets the day off. But I'm curious if you're a Met fan, your thought on this. But to me, nobody outside of DeGrom, Adovino, and Diaz should even pitch tonight. That's it. Outside of DeGrom not being good, which I think you have to figure. I'm not saying he's going to shut them out. But you got to figure he giving you six innings at most, give up a run or two, and you're right there. If you got a lead, you're dropping that hammer with that. I'm mean, obviously dependent on that. But if you got a lead, Edwin Diaz going six outs for me tonight. That that win because of that tiebreaker is is that much bigger. Got to do it with two games left in the series. You guarantee that you walk out in front, even though you're tied, and that is a huge thing. It makes I'm not saying it makes the rest of the series not important, but it it almost takes the damage away completely because you did everything you needed to do to put yourself in a position to be tied walking out of here, but to have the tiebreaker. And that is again, in that advantage, a little bit ahead. Got to do it. Got to do it. Um, Mark says Mets win the series. Biggest difference maker will be the three starting pitchers. You know, the irony is Mark and I appreciate it, buddy is I, I don't in this series. I don't know if that's going to be the case because, you know, even though the Mets have advantages, look, J this is nothing against Max Freed. He's not Jacob DeGrom, all right? By the way, neither is, is Max Scherzer, who's on the other side right now, right? When DeGrom is right. They, these are not like insults. I like Max Freed. This is not an insult, all right? Kyle Wright's not Max Scherzer. Kyle Wright's cousins, family members, I don't know if he's married, wife, girlfriend, whoever, they know he's not Max Scherzer. But Kyle Wright and Max Freed can pitch the heck out of it, and I expect them to be right there. And Charlie Morton could be right there with anybody, right? I don't think it's going to come down to the starting pitchers because I think the starting pitchers on both sides will pitch up to capability in this series. Does that give the Mets a slight edge? Look, again, not an anti-Braves thing. I think they understand. DeGrom and Scherzer gave you a slight edge on paper to anybody else. That's just the way it is. But I don't think it's going to play out that way. I think, I think it's going to come down to, if you want to talk about the starting pitchers, how deep into a game they can go, right? Um, I called the other day when I was doing the Believe in Queens thing that Kenley would blow a save in this series. The Mets have had a propensity for coming back late in games. Kenley Jansen, to me, is way too dicey. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Braves walked into the lead uh, with in the ninth and turned around the other direction because it's just the way the Mets have been. Now, their at-bats have not been the same complete in terms of a lineup without Starling Marte in there. That's an issue. And that's a, that, that, to me... You know, I don't know how you feel about this if you're a Met fan, and I know that Met fans are not going to like me saying this, but I did say this over in the spot I did with, with the guys over at Believe in Queens and go catch that hour conversation. After the game, the month of Escobar, just go through my Twitter timeline, you can find it. But I said this the other day, the Mets will not win the World Series without a healthy Marte. They won't. They won't. Even with the pitching, they won't. Now, I didn't know Alvarez was coming up, so clearly that's okay. You know, I, I don't want to expect too much out of him. What are we getting, right? I know what we're getting as a prospect. I know what we're getting in the future. But, like, to just walk right in and go hit Max Fried, just because Max Fried's left-handed, like, the idea that, oh, oh, we, we got this one. Like, no, it's not going to be easy. Like, Alvarez never faced anybody like Max Fried before, right? It's not going to be easy, all right? So, but 
Sands knowing about Alvarez at the time, I said this and still believe this, that the Mets will not win the World Series without a healthy Marte. He is so incredibly, they may win this series without him, but I'm talking about the, the Hall, the World Series. Because what he does to the lineup, being there in the two spot, his ability as a go-glover in the outfield, the, the, um, the perspective he gives Buck and the versatility of guys off the bench, how they're going to be utilized, all of those different things. All of that changes when Marte's in the lineup, and it makes everything deeper. Jeff McNeil is hitting 320, right? The only guy ahead of him, Freddie Freeman now, in the National League hitting 327. Jeff McNeil hitting 320 on the year. Jeff McNeil clearly could lead off or hit second in a lineup, right? Nets got three of the top five OBP uh, you know, on base guys in the National League in he and Nimmo and Canna. But think about what Marte does, because when you got Nimmo and Marte at the top, how many teams got a guy like Jeff McNeil hitting sixth or seventh in their lineup? Like zero. Like zero. They got, it, Mick hits for a reason. I mean, I don't care. If you don't like watching, look, Jeff McNeil, we talk about like squirrels and raccoons and whatever else. If you don't, if you're a baseball fan, now, look, I'm not telling a Braves fan to, when I use like, I mean, Let's use respect then. As a baseball player, if you don't respect the way Jet McNeil plays, you don't like the sport. I mean, that dude just a bit, he doesn't look pretty, doesn't need to look pretty. He get it done anywhere defensively in the field. I mean, to me, he's got to be a gold glove candidate for whether or not they look at second base or the utility spot or how that's used. Because even though he's every day, he's played in different positions. Put him in left, you could put him in right. It doesn't matter. He makes dynamic plays. He's played hurt. When he's hitting lower in the lineup and hitting behind Pete, when you walk Pete and you get into a spot where it's like, okay, I don't care if McNeil's got four home runs or whatever it is. Nobody wants to face that guy with guys on base because that guy knows how to put the ball in play. He's going to make something happen. He's going to get in a runner from third with less than two outs. He's going to find a way to find a hole. You can't shift on him the way you can, obviously, the rest of the season, right? Until the rules change, it's, so, it's such a differentiator to have Marte in that lineup. Mookie jumps in in the chat. What role will Alvarez have in the Braves series? DH against lefties, any chance he could be behind the plate? Zero chance he's going to be behind the plate. Zero. Now, I, I'm saying that in terms of I'm giving you all the common sense and knowledge of just a human. Forget about doing this 20 years. Zero chance. Zero chance. I don't, I, to me, I would say the only chance I think you would see him behind the plate at all, barring incredible amounts of injury, right, to McCann and Nito. The only reason I think you'd ever see him behind the plate at all the rest of this year into the postseason would be in, I don't know how many crazy extra innings where all of a sudden it's a situation he had to be back there. Or if the Mets clinched the division and they clinched, which they'd be set up then in that two seed, and you're sitting there with two days left in the season, yeah, he might get a game behind the plate against the Nationals. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get his first one out of the way, that's one scenario I could see it. If they were able to clinch and you're sitting there and, you know, the second game of that Nat series, you know, why not? Yeah, then maybe. But that's the only that's the only way you don't want them there because you want them there. That means there is injuries. And, and I'll tell you this about the Mets catching. I'm playing Tomas Nito every day. The guy, look, I understand McCann's arm. I get it. But Nito has been so good back there. He calls such a good game. These guys are so confident with him back there. He's hit the baseball way better. I mean, I, th I think he's hitting over 240 now. He's gotten big hits. He had a, that huge hit in that inning the other night where really in, in some parts that's a homer, but he hit like 405 feet to dead center for a double. You saw how shallow they were playing. The Marlins and Mattingly were like daring him to do anything, and he hit it way over their head. He's hit the ball well in the last four or five weeks. You feel comfortable with him behind the plate, and you need catchers when you're going to win in a postseason. 
I'm playing Nito. I'm curious, Met fans, on that. But that, to me, that's not even a question for me. Nito's game one of whatever series they start in the postseason for me. But Alvarez is not going to be behind a plate. Is he going to play tonight? For sure. Again, I haven't seen the lineup. May have come out. I'm doing this live if you're not listening, Apple, Spotify, or wherever. Uh, it's 1230 Eastern. It'll probably come out soon. If it hasn't yet, he's going he's gonna to be, I would expect to see him DHing hitting sixth or seventh. Yeah, he'll be in the lineup against Freed. You don't call him up in this spot and do this to then have him sit there. He's going to play. And, and, and you want to give him a few games to let, let's see, let's get him kind of used to things and, and let's get in there. But now he's going to play. He's going to play every time against lefties. They're going to throw him in and try and get him used to it. And as I said about Vogelbach, if Alvarez hits, it's going to be Vogel sits. Alvarez will be the DH every day. Now, the interesting thing you got to think about, about a couple of things here with the Mets and their DH spot. Number one, from what, we've heard about Marte right now. His trouble is with hitting, not is with throwing, not with hitting. If they can get his bat into the lineup. And for some reason he was not able to play the outfield yet and throw, you're going to put him in and let him be the designated hitter come the postseason or whatever. You've got to get his bat in the lineup, which by the way, would pose an interesting problem, right? If Marte can get in the field, the options you have are, are so advanced. I mean, you got Escobar not coming out of the lineup right now, right? So if you're with Alvarez, you want to play him against lefties. But if he doesn't hit, remember defensively how much they love Guillaume and McNeil in the infield when they're in there together, when Luis is at third and McHitz is over at second, you may see a situation where Escobar could get a game or two in the right matchup DHing. I mean, Vogelbach not guaranteed to get... Now, he's going to get some at-bats off the bench, but he's not guaranteed to be a DH lefty or righty now. They're getting more versatile with the addition. Of, and again, Marte, if he gets healthy, just expands that to, to such a higher level. But no, I don't, you, you don't want to... He's not going to be behind the plate. Unless, and you know, come to think of it, it would be you know, cool for him, I'm sure. Unless you're in a situation where, for whatever reason, they happen to clinch... And you got a game or two left, and Alvarez is is you know sitting there, and you got a chance to put him behind the plate for his first big league game. You may you may do it. You may do it. Um, the Braves. I I, I want to just say this before I kind of wrap on this, and you can get into your tweet and chat along the way. I'm I'm trying to follow the questions and get to them as we go. Apple, Spotify, everywhere else. Obviously, uh, you know, just follow along as as you are here listening to it belated on demand. The Braves team has been unbelievably resilient this year. They didn't get off to the greatest start. They had the deficit in the division. They played 116 pace in terms of win play for about three and a half months, which is an unbelievable thing to do and way better than they were in the regular season last year. Regardless of how underpaid it is, and it, it may be criminal for some of these kids, uh, these contracts that the Braves have gotten away with, they've got unbelievable young talent. They've got veteran leadership in there in guys like TDA, obviously. I know Met fans don't want to hear about. And guys like Dansby Swanson, who's become that in the room from everybody you talk to, and you could see it in the way he plays out there on the field. From the Mortons in the rotation, who's been there and done that, right? And now you got years on Freed, and Kyle Wright's been around a bit. Obviously, his performance, which was better than expected in terms of role last year in the World Series. Kenley, who's been around, right? Certainly in the back end. They come with a lot of experience. They're a versatile team. They are a, they are a, they, both of these, I hate throwing the word great around, especially till we get to the postseason. But if you want to talk about a regular season, these are two great baseball teams. There are only four. The Yankees are good and sometimes more than that. 
But they're not in that category. It's Dodgers, Astros, Braves, Mets. That's it. That's it. And I think that the Mets and the, and the Braves will play in these three games, which I think we all know. And now, luckily, uh, you know, weather permits for that. And, you know, speaking of which, let's be fair and understand where sports are and all the best and all the thoughts to hoping that everybody in the crosshairs of Ian stayed safe and listened to their evacuations. And if they didn't and hunkered down, uh, are able to, to find a way through first responders and friends and family to get the help that they need. So praying for all those people. Mets are going to play against the Braves three games now. But they're going to play again in the NLCS. I'm curious. Tweet me at Casey Stern if you're listening to this belated or if you're live and, and uh, after we're done. Mets or Braves fan, because maybe this is something you agree on, and let's, let's piss off some Dodger fans. Dodgers have won a lot of games. Dodgers got a lot of injuries. Dodgers got a lot of bullpen questions. I think when you talk about postseason ready, these are the two best postseason ready teams in the National League, and I think they're playing each other in the National League Championship Series. You can always be a champion by jumping on board the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern. Get involved. Don't forget, and I always say this, please pay attention, friends and family, this weekend. Much more important than baseball. In addition to everything going on with Hurricane Ian, understand when people are, are, are sitting there and look like they, they need a hand, don't make them ask for it. If people look like they're struggling, don't make them tell you. Go out there and be there for the people you care about. Be there for the people you believe in. Empower other people and be the change. That's the best way to change from what we see in this world of fake and people crapping and shitting on each other and, and making fun of people when they're down. Lift people up and do the right things. And, of course, one of those would be sticking with us right here. I almost had that. Wait, what can I tell you? It's 41 minutes. I mean, I, how am I even going to make it to the game tonight? Literally. What am I going to do? For the next few hours without sitting there like my, my, my hair is standing up. Mets Braves, are you kidding me? Let's go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.